This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins a national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Back on halftime, Matt, we got to talk fourth and inches. we got to talk fourth and inches here. Uh, I don't really want to, but you have to. Uh, because you talk about glaring weaknesses. It's happened again two years in a row. Uh, unable to convert on third and short or fourth and inches. Goal line situations are a problem, too. <clears throat> and look, I, when I hear Sam Pittman say, if, if we thought that we would be able to get the first down by having KJ line up under center and have him die forward, that's what we would do. I believe him. You know what that tells me? He doesn't think they can do it in that case. He doesn't believe that his line can get the little push that is necessary to withstand four or five in the A gap or the B gap. Everybody knows you're going to put that many defenders in the A and the B gap and make it that much more difficult to get the six inches that you need. But a lot of other teams, given the exact same situation, put a smaller quarterback under center and let that line do what they want to do. Like, if I was the offensive line, if I was Bo Limmer, if I'm Josh Braun, if I'm any of them on that line, and my coach talks about this is not the way that I think we can get it, I would be a little bit insulted by this because I would want to think, Coach, we can get you six inches. Let's just do it the way that it's meant to be done. That means that your coach does not believe in the offensive line enough to get those six inches, so he's got to find some other way to do it. Well, you you have a, a couple little pass plays. You can run a little motion outside where you have an up back. You have your your tight end. You have your receiver. So you you're, you're essentially getting to trips if you want to be in a bigger for, for, uh, personnel. Uh, and and you that your up back right there that would be your running back. He just runs straight to the pylon, straight to the corner. And if he gets the edge on that defense, or you just pop it to him real quick. There's there's your one yard. There's your that's your first read. Then you have your guy coming in motion that's snagging right there. Your tight end flagging right there. So it's a one two three read. It's just a high low read. That's that's I mean that's a simple play. Texas A&M scored on us using. Everybody uses that play. Uh, if you can't. Uh, if you can't do it, then then we need to be in 11 personnel and you need to be running some type of mesh route where you're running some type of crossers, where you're rubbing, where you're, you're having a natural pick. You're doing certain certain things that this team can do. Uh, so so don't I don't want to hear about anymore what they can't do right now. Get, get, it, I, we need to find out what can we do. Uh, and so or maybe we, punt it. And if you can, yeah, well, the, the one late in the fourth quarter or late in the second quarter, I was talking to my buddy is like, well, if we don't get this first down, they go down and score. They get the ball back to start the second half. That could be a 14-point swing. They do go down and score, but we pick off the next play uh, to start the third quarter to, to, to bring it back. But that was a big-time big fourth down that we needed in, in the game right there. That was seven points that if you can get that first down, whatever play, and, and if, if you've got to spread them out, Count the box. Spread them out. Count the box. If they if they give you two deep, run your quarterback draw. Give it to Rocket and run it. If they give you one deep, you got man coverage on the outside. If you can't throw and beat man, that's like not being able to go on two as an offensive line. Mm-hmm. So you just got to be able to be aware of the situation and, and, and get back in the classroom and, and keep working on it. Five for eight converting thir- uh, fourth down. The three that haven't been converted have been fourth and inches. All three of them. 
So maybe punt it next time you're near the you're near midfield and you and and it's not a have to get this first down situation like you might see in the in the fourth quarter. Trust the defense at that point potentially because trust your defense. That's right. Your defense right now deserves more trust than than obviously the line does. You got this six inches. You got this punter that he's he's a little inconsistent, but he was better. But he can punt it to the moon. That's that's the thing. He will out punch your kick coverage. He will punt it to so wherever you are on the field, he can almost reach that end zone. I mean, the dude has a leg on him. that was the situation where I'm thinking as a coach right there. I'm like, well, there's there's two minutes left to go in the second half. If three minutes, you know, if we don't get the first right here, they're going to get the ball and they're going to get the ball to start the second half. Maybe you do want to put it, but like I said, the the guy, the D back, made a great play on that first possession A and M and and got that six points right back. I think Derek from Rogers wants you to expand a little bit on the idea of what Arkansas can do offensively because right now I'm not. What do you think they can do offensively? Because I think you expect that you have a guy with a big arm like KJ who's been successful throwing the deep ball for years. I don't know if the deep ball can really be part of your of your of your uh, of your game plan right now. Um, what can this offense do successfully? Because if you're talking about expand on what it is that you can do, what can they do? Well, they couldn't do much of anything against A&M. Uh, you, you look back at LSU. I think what they might have done, too, and I, and I don't know this for, for sure, but you see what Miami did to A&M, some of the longer passes. I think maybe that's kind of what their thought was. And we, we had ran a lot more quick game against LSU. I, I think th- I think we can run quick game. How about that? Like, if you want to say something that I think this key- team can do and can be successful at, I think KJ's smart enough and accurate enough for those 10 yards and under throw that if you make it real simple and easy for him and say, hey, one, two, one, two, three, whatever it is. I think KJ can do that. I think this team can do that. I also think that you might look at uh, Luke has uh, is, a, is, a, is a special kind of an offensive weapon. He's probably done for the year with that broken I'm, clavicle. You, you move Tesla there. That's 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 what the, I don't I think it's a no brainer. Tesla on the outside. He's he's I'm, I'm a Tesla fan. Get, let's get that right first. You know, I, I like what he can do. But being on the outside, he's just not quick enough. He just doesn't have those quick twitch muscles. And it's okay. It's, it's, it's okay. But you know what he can do at the next level? He could be an H-back at the next level. He, he's, a big, he's a big, strong kid. And he has great hands. So why, why not have him running those seven-yard, eight-yard, those little crossers, those little pop routes that, that you had Haas running? Tesla, six foot four, 216 pounds. <laughs> I mean, what, feel what, like the idea of remember when Trey Knox moved to what's to has tight end? What, what's he? What, is he? He's he's about what six he's six like two forty six, six four two forty two yeah six, three two forty two is what the guy so he's he's got twenty pounds on him yeah yeah I mean that's uh rest of your tight ends um, I mean maybe Ty Washington uh, moves up the depth chart because uh, Washington I mean we heard a lot about him in the off season based on the idea that he caught a he caught a, a touchdown at the Liberty Bowl. And uh, we haven't really seen him all that much outside of the first game. Haven't seen Sherman, the blocking tight end from Louisville, I think, for a couple of games. And Nathan Bax is, is pretty much a blocking tight end. So Varkey's Gums has to step up. And, and uh, you haven't really seen much from him. Uh, and he was incredibly successful at North Texas. So, yeah, I mean, that has, was, has had become your best weapon. And I think there was some chemistry with him and KJ. He had an ability to get open. Um, but he's not there any longer, man. I mean, that is going to really hurt this offense, really hurt this offense. And, and there's still the capability of a big play here or there. 
you know, one of the odd things about this, what did you gain for the entire game? 147 yards. 100 and, 140, 174 yards. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You, you got the numbers right, just juxtaposed a little differently. 174 yards. 136 of them came on six plays. The other 50 plays that the Arkansas offense ran generated 38 yards. Consistency. That's right. you got to be more consistent. I mean, in those, those plays. And, 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 Phil, it comes down to about six plays a game. It really does. So those other 50 plays, you got to be better. you you got to be better in those plays. Mm, you can sense the frustration. If you are frustrated, you got to get rid of it somehow. The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and hot barbecue sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. Passion is something that exists in all of us. I know we got a lot of passionate hog fans listening right now. And I know that all of you love football season. Dave Bushkill and his team over at Eastside Liquor are the exact same way. They can take care of all your tailgating and party needs. Whether it's just a few beers or alcohol in bulk. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith to check off every item on your list. Eastside Liquor, your number one stop for Arkansas football this season. Mike Irwin from Pig Trail Nation joining us here on a uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, it's kind of wild out there on the frontier right now, Mike, on a three-game losing streak. Fans are upset. <laughs> the media sometimes gets the brunt of their uh, of their anger because... You know, you don't have a chance to talk with the coaches too often, so they, they come at the media. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, they're not happy over there, and I, I have noticed a real pushback by most of the media this week. I mean, we get accused of being too soft, but I think most of us understand when there's a problem, there's a problem, and it's our job to ask questions. Uh, you know, clearly they've got to make some changes, and this stuff coming out of the press conference today sounds really revolutionary. I don't know if it'll work, but if you're talking about moving offensive linemen around, putting Kudis at center and Limmer back at guard where he's more comfortable, but then the one that just jumped out at me is the possibility of Dominic Johnson at tight end. I mean, huh. they've got one of the best tight end coaches in the country, and I I, I was curious, even before that injury to Luke has, why we weren't seeing other guys out there. It was almost like there was nobody else there that they trusted to catch the football. And obviously the blocking sometimes comes from the other side, but they haven't gotten good blocking from the tight end. But, I mean, Oz was a key part of their offense. I mean, you saw what happened. They were moving the football early. He gets hurt. And it made a big difference. It, it really did. And they've got to deal with that for the rest of the year. So I don't know what it is about Dominique that makes him think he's a pass catcher or he can get open and do what Oz did. I don't know. And maybe it's just something Sam Pittman mentioned. I'm not over there. But that is a kind of a radical solution. But I do think he probably realizes he's got to do something to get this thing back on track or, or it's going to go even more back more south in a hurry it's it's shocking to hear you know but, but honestly when you when you when you watch 
when you watch this last game and, and you know the struggles that there have been on the offensive line, both in terms of run blocking and pass protection, um, to hear the idea of, man, it almost sounds like wholesale changes on that offensive line. Five weeks in, in Sam Pittman's fourth year, that is absolutely incredible. Yeah, and we'll have to we'll have to see how it works out. And I'm talking about something I'm reading off Twitter because I'm not over there. Uh, I'll know more later on. Uh, but there's, the big question at this point is real simple: Is this offense wrong for this, this these offensive players? Did did Sam Pittman screw up and bring in an offensive coordinator that runs an offense that they don't that they don't do well in, or is that offense being made look to look bad because of the sudden problems they have in the old line somebody asked you know why these guys aren't more physical are they are they young no there's only one second year guy on there and that's uh, i think that's kudos one of those guys is just a second year player but he played in all 13 games last year not in regular snaps but on special teams where you do have to block on field goals you know extra points things like that the rest of these guys are all very experienced it's not a small offensive line you know, D.J. Williams, who was a tight end for Arkansas and works with us on our game day show, he he just has analyzed it over and over again, says it's technique. The technique is bad. And the, the, you would think that's where Pittman has to get get in there and get involved and figure out what's causing those issues. Yeah, for, for offensive linemen, you, you got to get a tie. You, you, you let our talent uh, be successful, and, and, and as an offensive line, you, you got to get a tie. And, and you can only coach to what your players can do. Mike, when, when, when I look at this team, the, the team can, can, can run a little quick game. What, what, what do you see that this offense is good at, or, or what do you see going forward that this offense can do? Well, it, it does look like that the slower developing nature of the offense is part of the problem. So obviously I have to get, do some things to, to get it going quicker. But I would say, you know, if you look at what A&M did that time when they were on the goal line, and I don't know if it was a third and goal or a fourth, but they were in a situation where they could have run it, tried to run it over for the touchdown, and they just threw a simple out route over there in the flat. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you can do that. I've talked a lot about what doesn't seem to be working is anything lateral, throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage and then expecting. You know, they worked on that a lot in the preseason. I know that's a big part of what he wanted to do, but it's just not working. So to me, I don't want to make this sound simpler than it is, but to me, part of being an offensive coordinator is go, hmm, that didn't work. This didn't work. Let's not do that anymore. Let's try these other things. And, uh, you, you know, you would think that with teams stacking the box and crowding the line of scrimmage and, and, and contracting inward, you'd have spaces out there that you could throw to. I don't think trying to throw deep is the answer because we KJ just doesn't have the time to do that. You can, But you can also see him looking. And it tells me that people aren't breaking open quickly off the ball. So that's an issue with the in that, in that wide receiver room. How are they going to get these guys... I watched the uh, LSU Ole Miss game, and it was a it was like a it was like a study in offensive efficiency. Man, those quarterbacks were like thousand one, thousand two, throw the ball. Receivers were like off the line of scrimmage and immediately open, and it just went like that over and over. And you're just going, wow, you know, that's what happens when an offense works. 
So they've got to get their receivers open quicker. He's got to be able to deliver the ball quicker. And I do think there are certain plays like lateral or screen-type passes or runs to the edge that they need to just, you know, get rid of. It's not working. And, again, concentrating. I don't mind sending one one receiver on a play deep because you never know when somebody's going to break open. But that shouldn't be the focus of what you're trying to do because you don't have the offensive line to block for that kind of stuff. Mike, I think some. Of, I think a lot of the frustration in the context of this season specifically, and really for the last three games, is it's been something different each game. You know, BYU, LSU, they got to fix the penalties. They fixed the penalties against Texas A&M. Uh, LSU, you couldn't stop them defensively. Well, you stopped A&M defensively in the second half much more often than not. You even have a defense that has scored three touchdowns for you this year. Um, I think they have improved defensively. I think they're a lot better than they were defensively. It just it doesn't show in the record, and it won't show in the record until either the defense wins them a game or something happens, like we're talking about a little bit of a change in play calling or maybe how you line up that offensive line. But uh, I do still think this defense gives you an opportunity to win games. doesn't mean you're going to win them, but I think you can because your defense is better. Yeah, they just have to have help. A lot of times, Arkansas has given up points this year because of poor field position for the defense, which was caused by the offense. So, you know, I don't want to, again, minimize this, but I think if you even worked and improved that offensive line some, you're going to make a lot of, you're going to make a lot of the other problems go away. It's not just that the offense doesn't work. It doesn't work for a reason. It's because nobody's blocking. And that's the part that's just mystifying, but you got to think that Sam Pittman would roll up his sleeves given the serious situation they're in and just say, hey, this is what I'm doing right now. And uh, I'll make these changes, and I'll work with these guys, and we'll, tr- we'll, we'll, we'll make this work next week. I mean, it's all, I don't like the idea of going into you know Oxford and facing somebody as good as Ole Miss is right now and having to, you know, a bunch of new stuff going on. But, but I don't know that they have an, a, an option. I wonder a little about the idea of, um, you know, some people are, oh, Sam Pittman's got to coach the offensive line. That's what he's good at. He's, he was good at that for years before. Um, you know, uh, Brian Kelly's brought in a, a defensive line analyst the week after he gave up 700 yards to Ole Miss to get another eyes on that defensive line. I don't know if that fixes it. I mean, is this the kind of thing where, I don't know if you I mean. You, can you bring in a defense, an offensive line analyst, and you know maybe that fixes things a little bit because you get a fresh set of eyes on it. I don't want my head coach coaching the offensive line. He's got a big job to worry about. I just wonder <laughs> I where know, the fix I is. Know. I know. Maybe that's what you just mentioned is the answer. There's been no evidence that he's done that, but it might happen. Uh, but you know, I'm just saying this is this is not a normal situation. Um, this isn't year two under Pitt. This is year four. And he just doesn't have the, you know, your check's the only one that makes that decision. But, guys, people are accusing me of doing this and doing that. I only reflect what I see. I go to a baseball scrimmage yesterday, and people at the scrimmage are asking me who the next head coach is going to be. These aren't Internet guys on there just demanding people be. These are regular fans. And I don't think it's going to happen, but. I mean, I can't say it's not. I mean, that's how serious this is with the fan base. I think they understand that over at the Boyle Center. 
but they need to if they don't. This is not a normal situation, not normal in the 48 years that I've covered this program. I've only seen this kind of disappointment, in some cases all-out anger on the part of the fans. I've only seen that a few times. They weren't even this mad under Morris because they'd just kind of given up. They hadn't given up on Pittman, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, what, what is this? You know, They just can't believe that with a Sam Pittman coach team, you have this for an offensive line. They just It makes no sense. Mike, yeah, with the offense moving forward, uh, I did I did like, I mean, there wasn't a lot to like uh, about the offensive game. I liked what I saw out of Cam Little uh, make, making field goals. And, and I liked what I saw out of Ra- Ra- Raheem Sanders. Uh, it would take him another week or so to be in that game shape, but I think that's a positive going forward that Sanders is back. Yeah, that, that, that'll help. I mean, he, there's no question they missed him. Um, and, again, guys, it could be this isn't as hard to fix as you think. If they Maybe you have people that are uncomfortable in the wrong position. Maybe this is the answer, moving guys to where they fit better. And, you, and Pittman's looked at this and says, you know, that's not a good – I mean, I assume they talk to these guys. So maybe they're saying, you know, I don't, I don't feel comfortable at center. I don't – I don't. I'd like to be over here at guard where I where I used to play. I don't know what that is, but maybe getting the right people in the right spot and working with them can make a big difference. I mean, you you don't want to give up on this season five games in. That's nuts. But yet people look at this and they just don't. They don't see a fix. I don't know. I've seen fixes before. But I can't predict it. I don't know what's going to happen. You know all the all the all the things you just brought up, and it's all it's all true. But man, I mean, these guys are basically with the football program about twelve months of, out of twelve months. Spring ball to me feels like you figure out who works at what position best, and then you got summer to kick it around. You've got your August camp to actually put it in motion, and if it's if it's working, then great. But we even heard in the springtime, we even heard it. Mike and you might have, you saw it at the spring game too. Tackles were getting dominated by the, the def- defensive line. Defense is ahead yeah. of the offense. That's what you kept hearing. It's like, well, they, they should be ahead of the offense early on. Well, still the defense is ahead of, as ahead of the offense, and, and the offense needs to come on. What it feels like, Mike, that they've gone into the season with here, and this is five weeks before, was hope that the tackles and that the rebuilt offensive line was going to be better. But I don't know if they really believed that it would be. Yeah, I, I, I'm not over there to see any of that. Uh, you have to be behind the scenes to know the answer to that question, but it's just puzzling. I mean, I, I've, I've told people over and over again, when you do this as long as I have, you don't see anything new very often. You don't see things that surprise you because you just see so much. But this surprises me. Um, it caught me off guard. I didn't expect it. Not with the offensive line. I, I mean, I knew they had some holes to fill, but I'm just thinking this whole offseason, you know, Sam, he knows what's, what he's doing over there. He's good. He'll get this fixed. And now it's obviously it's not fixed, and so it has to be fixed quickly or the situation gets worse. 
The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more info. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit, ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Well, we've got an update on the uh, kick time for Arkansas and Alabama. Yuck. Hate these 11 a.m. road games. Absolutely hate them. But that's what you got. 11 o'clock in the morning, Arkansas and Alabama. In two weeks, it'll be ESPN. So uh, you had uh, your night game followed by an 11 o'clock game, followed by another night game, and then another 11 o'clock game. Get those body clocks ready here. Uh, Sam Pittman's press conference continuing. Uh, I think it's over by now, but it it went a little longer than they usually do on these Mondays. Uh, It says... If your quarterback, this is a quote from Sam Pittman, if your QB doesn't have time to throw it, it's going to affect all your receivers, even if you have Traylon Burks, unquote. Goes on to continue, and I don't know about the position group or just overall the team that he's talking about here. He says, I do think our depth is better than it was a year ago. We'll certainly find out on Saturday. Um, I think the depth is better at a number of positions, with the exception of offensive line. It doesn't feel like it is the most that it is the deepest group. Um, I mean, they've talked about they got seven or eight that they feel pretty confident in, and I think you you'd have, you'd have like thought of you'd have like. Well, I wonder if that's, that's true, and it also would have been yeah. more than that. Yeah, you'd like more than that. You, you want to feel comfortable in five, just like you talk about. Oh, we got two quarterbacks. We believe in. We got three quarterbacks. We got we got eight line. No, no, no. We 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 got five guys that are our hogs. Uh, no pun intended. These are our hogs up front, and we're gonna go get it. You're going to start moving them around, too? I mean, look, last year, you lost your best offensive lineman for the bowl game, uh, Stromberg. Bo Limmer moved over and played center. And you put up, what was it, 53 points? To me, that said something about the depth of offensive line. Even lost Tykees Crawford during that game, too. Said something a little bit about maybe the depth of your offensive line. Crawford and Amarian Harris played. They're there. We don't see him very much right now. And, and Limmer, I'm not sure if he's a center. The snaps against A&M, and it can improve, but it was either high or it was low, and very rarely was it in between. And it's got to be the first thing you worry about. You know, the, the sky's not falling. I don't think they're that far away. You know, you, you're looking at everything. There, there was a couple plays here and there we could have made. Um, you know, missed missed assignments by your running backs, not picking up the right blitzer, getting your getting your... Uh, your quarterback hit, but they they were able to clean up the penalties. You know that that's the 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 other thing is they they don't quit. That that's true, 
but it seems like they kind of just accepted mediocrity, mediocrity. You know, like they were just kind of like, well, this is what it is, and we're not really gonna. This we're just kind of going through the motions a little bit. Like it was, uh, it was hard to watch on offense a little bit. And and when you're getting sacked seven times a game, and KJ was getting beat up. I mean, you talk about some hits. Uh, we we got Ole Miss and Alabama. Uh, Mississippi State before you get a bye week. That's three more big time games that you you got to be ready to go. The thing that kind of makes me cringe a little is that, and you saw this against A and M, trailing in the second half, multiple scores, and you know you you got to you're going to throw, and the opponent knows you're going to throw too. On downs, we can where it is knowledge that Arkansas is going to throw. That's really dangerous. It's uh, it's big time too. I know you're trusting your defense. Uh, when you're you got the ball late in the second half, it's a one score game. Uh, you you decide to go for it on fourth down, uh, and and it doesn't work out. Then they run the clock out and and go down and score. Uh, maybe you know you you got to kind of be aware. You you know that. That, that and that's a short field. That's what we talked about earlier. This defense, make them go eighty-five on this defense. You got a punter that can kick it down there, um, and and it's it's a first half. It's a first half play. Uh, I mean, it's you look at it and we get the first there. It, it does does anything change? You know, are, are we able to 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 do anything with it? A and M had one scoring drive of seventy-five yards or more. That's it. Going to the McClarty Daniel Hotline, and John in Fort Smith is here. What's up, John? Thanks for the call. Hey, guys. Hey, man. I, I think that, you know, the defense done enough Saturday. They they did their job. I mean, you, you look, uh, the second half especially, what, they give up three points? I mean, the one touchdown was on a KJ interception, the, which was a tip play. Another one was a punt return. I mean, the defense did their job. But, guys, we can make excuses I mean, we can talk about injuries. Oh, you know, we got young players here. Everybody's got injuries. Everybody's got young players stuck here. We've got coaching issues. There are not adjustments being made. An offensive coordinator job is to set up in that booth, see what the defense is doing, and call plays that will work or have a chance to work. Man, it's, it is like <laughs> a three-ring circus. Like, uh, it's embarrassing. I, I was around a bunch of A&M fans sitting next to a guy Saturday on the fourth and one. The guy turned to his buddy and said, oh, watch this. They'll put him in the shotgun and, and hand off to the running back and we'll stop him. And that's exactly what happened, you know. And it's like this is three weeks in a row that a fourth and less than a yard has really turned the game around, um, you know. And, and Pittman can say, well, you know, they're shooting the gaps, they're shooting a gap, big gap. And, and I mean, you're telling me that, that you've got a 6'4", 245-pound quarterback and you can't, he can't get a half a yard, man? Well, I also, mean... You also got a couple of the running backs that should be able to do that if you just turn and hand it off to him. You know, Dominique Johnson, you'd think, you'd think he'll fall forward. You'd think the same yeah, about Yeah, but not when, they're five, not when they're starting five and seven yards back. Right, right. That's and what I mean. Under center, if KJ's under center, you can still can still hand off to a running back who's got a lot of size, and he's not five yards behind when he gets the ball. Yes, and I mean, everybody loves Sam. I mean, he's obviously a hell of a guy. He loves he loves the state. Uh, he's, he's thankful for having this job. But, you know, everybody loved Mike Anderson, too. Uh, and at some point... Enough's enough, and and I don't think anybody should be fired in the middle of the season. I think it's 
think it's wrong when that happens. Uh, but man, things have got to turn around, turn around quick, or or your checks got to make some moves. Appreciate All right, John. Appreciate your call. Thank you. Rod in Fayetteville is up next on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Good afternoon, Rod. What's going on? Hey guys, what's what's going on? Hey, I wanted to. I want both your perspectives, but really, Matt, the one play that just still disturbs me to no end. Matt referenced it earlier. There was a play where KJ was in the shotgun. Number five was in the backfield, and there was a blitzer coming in. And he was number five's in direct line with him. And if you watch the replay, he doesn't move a foot. He doesn't lift an arm. He stands there with his arms at his sides and watches his quarterback get blitzed. And I'm like, dude, I mean, I understand you get beat sometimes, but, man, stand in front of him. Let him I mean, the, the not paying attention and acting like it doesn't matter and it doesn't care, if it was me, I would replay that to the whole team and go, man, look, if we ever see another play like this, then you'll be looking for a different team next year and you won't play anymore. I just, I, I, for the life of me, I just was like dumbfounded. I was like, "What are you doing out there, man?" I mean, I mean, if I'm KJ, I would be like, "Man, I can't play with you." I mean, if you're gonna, if you're not. I mean, one thing to get beat, but it's another thing to look like you're not even paying attention or wanting to even make an effort to stop the guy from coming in. And just got our most valuable guy, just totally, totally earholed. And I was curious if Matt ever had anybody do that to him, and what kind of conversations go on after that. But well, that thanks, was the Rod. play that. Uh, but I just wanted to hear real talk. Thanks. Yeah, I have that wrote down. It was around five five minutes to go in the third quarter. RB number five misses pickup, and it was he got lost with his eyes. I mean, it was a single blitzer on the outside. It was his guy. That's what I was saying with reps. He's five hasn't played in a month. He hasn't played all year since camp. He hasn't seen the blitzes. He ha- he's not up to date as well when it comes to picking up that blitz. Maybe you want seven in there. Dominion's been pretty good at picking up the blitz, but that's just one of those deals. I hey, he didn't do it on purpose. You know, it's not like he was like. Hey, I'm going to go mess this up. It's just he got lost with his eyes. And and as far as pointing to coaching, look, you there is no two ways about it. As of right now, five games into the season, the Danino's hire has not worked. You got a, you got another you got another few games left to try to make that work. But right now, it has not worked. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Mike DeCourcy is a national columnist for the Sporting News covering college basketball, college football, NFL, soccer, all those other things. We appreciate your time, Mike. We've had him on halftime before. How are you doing today? I am doing very well, Phil. How are you? 
Doing good. Doing good. You got Matt Jones with you here, too. Uh, we have literally spent the last two and a half hours um, talking Arkansas, Texas A&M and what's moving forward for the Razorbacks because it is a it's a frustrating uh, it's a frustrating it's a frustrating very frustrated fan base uh, and a game that nobody saw coming here from the national perspective uh, when you see Arkansas is two and three three straight losses zero and two in the SEC we're we're right here on the ground with it from the national perspective what's the what's the viewpoint on Arkansas football right now. Well, I think in some ways, uh, after the start, uh, the, you know, the two and zero start, uh, I think there was started to be some optimism that there might be more in that uh, than there's been. I mean, I know that they were it, neither team was elite uh, that you started with, but uh, you know, Kent State uh, from the MAC uh, to, to handle them in the way they did, and I, 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 I would say probably that a lot turned on how the BYU game came out. Uh, that if they win that, then uh, perhaps what's happened since one doesn't happen because no everything happens, everything that follows uh, there's a, there's a chain of events that develop in any sport, uh, and you lose one and it affects how the next one goes and and I think that losing that BYU game, especially in the fashion that they did, really has had an impact and then the secondarily, you know what. You know, whether or not Kent State and Western Carolina are great opponents, the defense performed, and it has not performed against a high major opponent yet. It, it, it has struggled in every outing, and until that gets squared away, and goodness gracious, I mean, what, what we've seen from Ole Miss, I mean, it's really going to be hard for that to turn around uh, this weekend. From the from the from the from the idea that usually by now we've we've zeroed in on like three or four teams that look like they are the real national contenders. Uh, I think it's difficult to zero in on some of those same teams. Georgia's got question marks. Uh, we don't know what to expect out of them. There's question marks about Alabama's offense. Uh, Texas has looked really really good. Maybe both Michigan and Ohio State, or maybe Penn State out of the Big Ten. Um, it's tough to zero in on some of the same teams that we've zeroed in on before because, truthfully, it's only only Georgia and Michigan that are kind of up there right now playing the same way that's expected. Ohio State, too, but um, I'm not sure once they do go up against Michigan. Who, who do you view right now as the real national contenders? Well, I think that you mentioned them. I think you have to throw SD in there uh, with, with Caleb Williams and then being able to take care of Colorado over the weekend, they let it get close, but they still won the game. I think that's one of the beauties of, of what is coming in college football. When, when I advocated for an expansion of the playoff and I will be honest, I advocated just for eight, just to get it out of the rut of not having a bid, uh, to the tournament for every single team that wins a major conference. So I argued for eight, just give uh, you know, the five power five at the time I was arguing, there were power five, uh, and then one for, uh, the, uh, for the group of five, whoever the best is, and then two at largest. They, they go ahead and they go past that to 12, and a lot of people are like, well, it doesn't matter. It's going to be 55 to one in every game they play, and they, you know, Georgia and Alabama, and, and you're seeing that that's not how sports work. And, and, it, and that in many ways that, what was happening over the last decade was because of the playoff, the structure that players who were elite said, well, if I want to play in that thing, I got to go to these three, four schools. If I go somewhere else, I'm never going to see it. 
And I think now players are starting to be dispersed more. I think some of this is name, image, and likeness and the transfers as well. And it's spreading talent out. And it's great for the sport because everybody feels like they've got a chance. I mean, you mentioned a bunch of schools. I threw SC into there, and I think you have to. I think Penn State has to be taken seriously, although Drew Hours did not play well at all in the Northwestern game. And, you, you know, he's only four or five games into a starting as a quarterback probably going to have a clunker at some point but you, you if you're a Penn State fan you worry well is that the real thing or is that just the you know no one was motivated to go to Northwestern and play in front of half a house after we just got done in a brutal game against Iowa uh who knows but I think you have to throw them in there as well uh the shame of it is that this grand field we're talking about right now that we don't know how it's going to be uh and then we, we also should mention Florida State. I just remember that, that they haven't been brought up. Uh, this grand, great field of six, eight, nine teams that maybe has a shot, we're going to have to, the, we're going to have to see it t- uh, taken down to four by the basis of a bunch of people's opinions rather than this team won the Big Ten, this team won the SEC, this team won the Big 12. They all belong in it. Mike got a big one this weekend uh, with with two teams that are coming into the SEC. Oklahoma five and zero, kind of still under the radar. Nobody's talking about this five and zero Oklahoma team. They're gonna play, they're gonna play five and zero Texas. What are your thoughts on that Red River Red River rivalry? Yeah, it's it's gonna be a great uh, last uh, go around for them in the Big Twelve uh, uh, for sure. Uh, Oklahoma, I I got a chance to watch their whole game against Cincinnati. And I think offensively, there's still uh, there's still a lot to be resolved there. Uh, and I don't know with the way Texas is playing right now uh, that they can keep pace. So their defense has to do a great job. Their defense has to make it. Uh, they have to make it a lower scoring game. Now, what's lower scoring in college football now? I guess anything under thirty for the winning side would be lower scoring. I I don't see how Oklahoma gets to thirty. Uh, in this game, I don't think they're ready to do that if they ever are going to get there. So for me, it's uh, the defense for the Sooners have to keep it under 30 or it could be a, a, you know, a real fun final romp in the Big 12 for the Longhorns. Would you like to hit the reset button and go back to football? Well, I mean, not go back to, but not have some of these uh, this realignment. You know, I'm, the, Pac-12, it's the, the irony of the Pac-12 being the joke of the Power Five for like the last 10, 11 years, and then maybe turning around and putting together what looks like the deepest conference, maybe even by far, uh, here in the last year that they, that they have oxygen. You know, and you're talking about Texas and Oklahoma leaving. The Big 12 is going to what? Is it 16? We know all the changes happening in college football. There are times that, that I've watched for the last three or four weeks and thought to myself, I, I kind of wish we could... <laughs> I wish that these changes moving forward aren't going to happen because it didn't feel like college football was broken. And then and right. more than any, it's like the networks went and they broke it to try to fix it. Well, I think that, uh, you know, at the time, really what the, the, the genesis of this was not the networks. It was uh, a particular booster at Texas who was mad that they stunk at football by their standards and blaming the conference instead of the fact that they had done a really poor job over uh, about a decade or so of administering their program. That includes coach hiring and how you support the coach or don't uh, that you do hire and all of that. And so they decided that it was the conference's fault that Texas wasn't 
as good at football as it should be. And that's when that all began. And that, and they were the ones who, and basically when Texas says we're up and out of here, Oklahoma and hey, Oklahoma, if you want to come, you can come too. Oklahoma can't say no. They have to say yes. So I wrote a column on the day in July, 2021, when this all started and it still hadn't been consummated that basically said that, uh, the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, who had recently made a statement that there wasn't any leadership in college sports, they said, okay, be the guy, be the leader. You're, you're, you're in a position to save all this. Cause if you take, if you say yes to this, you know what's coming. And everything that has happened since is a product of him taking that phone call from the 512 area code and saying yes. And that's, if that doesn't happen, then if he says no, stay where you are, uh, they probably stay where they are, and and eventually Sark comes in there and starts to win games, and everybody settles down again. But when he said, no, we'll take it, and we're going to take all the money that comes with it and all of that, uh, everything changed. And so that's why we are where we are now. And, it, you know, the, the Big Ten decided that uh, that there was money in the Hollywood Hills, and so they did theirs, and and it's it's where we are, and it, it, of course, it still could have been closer to what it should be if the people in the Pac-12 hadn't, the, the presidents in the Pac-12 hadn't outrageously overvalued themselves, had accepted the money that ESPN offered last autumn, and and said, okay, we're good at you know maybe maybe they counter at thirty-five and see if they could get that out of ESPN, but they said no, we, we're worth fifty. And ESPN said, nah, we're not even going to take, that's it. That's the end of this negotiation. Let's go give the money to the Big 12. And that's the end of the Pac-12. Mike, you have Kentucky that uh, they, they ran all over Florida, kind of out physical them. Georgia kind of had a tough one a little bit with Auburn. I mean, I never thought they were in doubt. Is, uh, is there a chance that somebody, uh, you know, can beat this Georgia Bulldog team? Can, can Kentucky compete with them this Saturday? Yeah, you know, I think it helps, obviously, the Bulldogs to go home. Uh, I think Kentucky can play with them, but I think we've seen multiple teams compete with them. And when it, when, when it happens multiple times, it's not one bad day. At that point, it's vulnerability. And that doesn't mean that a vulnerable team is always going to get beat. Uh, I covered a Penn State team in 1986 that had a lot of close calls and that ultimately won the national championship regardless, including beating Miami in a game that there were a lot of people thought that they would get blown out. Uh, Vinny Testaverde and Michael Irvin and a bunch of other great players. It's like five interceptions, with, right? Yeah. You had five interceptions yeah. that day, exactly. Uh, and so that every team that's vulnerable isn't going to get beaten, but every time they put themselves into one of those games is a chance. And I think it's a much different SEC this year than we've seen with either Alabama or Georgia dominating uh, over the last several. Uh, this is a terrific Georgia team, don't get me wrong, and they certainly could still win the national championship, but it's not going to be 60-20 to 20 in the final as it was last year. They win it, it's going to be competitive. Uh, somewhere, either somewhere along the way or in that final game, they're going to have a couple of you know, close calls here or there, SEC championship game somewhere, somewhere on the road. Uh, they could. I, I don't have any doubt they are capable of winning it, uh, but I, I do think that it's going to be a much more interesting uh, November and early December for the SEC than maybe it's been for the last several years. There's the thing about it that you hit on, the interest of it, the interesting games 
and I think we view college football as this chalky sport where you know you make your top 25 before the season starts and, and quite often the top four are the ones that are playing for the national title at the end of it anyway and this is not that season this is this feels much more like uh <clears throat> like the NFL uh, maybe not in terms of um things being a little upside down but in terms of parity in terms yeah. of there are many more teams that have the opportunity this year to play for the national championship and it's not because it's a 12 team playoff like that's the crazy thing about it it feels that there's so many more teams that are that 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 will that have what it takes to play for it even though it's just four teams this year and next year yeah. it all changes like all this stuff about how much the regular season matters right now it doesn't matter as much next year I, I disagree with that, and I'll tell you why. I, because next year when they do, whether they settle on five or six automatic bids, the the fact that I, I covered a, a Big Ten championship game, I think it was 2016, I might have the year wrong, uh, but Penn State played, I don't. I think it was Wisconsin, they ended up winning the game. And, and that night, it didn't matter, because it was nice to hold up the trophy, but in terms of winning a national championship, even though they were the Big Ten champions, it didn't matter. We'll never have that again after 2024 if they, if they go to this plan and stick to it. That game will always matter. Who wins the league should matter, not who looks pretty, uh, not who wins by a bunch of points, but rather who wins the biggest games. And, the, and that, that absolutely should matter. And I, so I'm excited about that. I think, the, I think, honestly, the regular season is going to mean more we had, we've had tons of games in November, December over the last several years in every league that were interest, you know, that were compelling games between two quality teams, but in terms of the national championship meant nothing. Well, now they might mean getting a bid or they might mean influencing uh, the opportunity to win a conference championship and then automatically get a bid. So I think that, I think that next year it's actually even going to be more fun than this. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at HitThatLine.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.